Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is day 642 on our three-year journey through the Word of God, and we are here in early October 2023. As we record this, it's going out on October 4th, and I uh, hope you're doing well. hope you're enjoying fall weather and uh, some fall activities. In a couple of days' time, we'll have some October baseball coming up here in the Baltimore area. You know, O's, Orange, October. What could go together better? They ought to be the kings of October. Their color is orange and they're the O's. You know, I just, you know. All right. We are here in Luke chapter 5 as we continue and Jesus calls the first disciples. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us and giving us life in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for the Gospel of Luke. Write it on our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those occasions, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, for they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. After this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, as do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bride is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking of old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. That's Luke chapter 5 in the ESV. Well, again, we have a very full chapter from Dr. Luke in the Word of God here. And it begins with the calling of the disciples. You know, we have different accounts of the calling of the disciples in the different Gospels, and some emphasize one aspect and some another. Here, he's he's being pressed in on by the crowd as he's teaching the Word of God. And he needs a place to stand where he can be heard by a large crowd but he can have some distance between him and the crowd because otherwise if everybody crowds in around him, he can't not effectively teach. And there are two boats by the lake and, and the fishermen were out of them and they were just sitting there. And so he got into one of the boats and it was Simon's. Now, Jesus already knew Simon. He had already been in Capernaum. he had already had some contact with him, but Simon was not yet following Jesus. And so here is an opportunity for Simon Peter's life to change. He's going to go from Simon to Peter, and he's going to become a disciple of Jesus. But before he can do that, he needs to have a better understanding of who Jesus is. He needs to see Jesus more clearly and understand in a way that is beyond his understanding at current for those of us who know the Lord Jesus, we, we may have had a long time acquaintance with him. We may have grown up in church. We may have heard the Bible all of our lives. But are we following him faithfully? 
Are we doing the work he's given us to do? And if we're not, if we're hesitant, if we're half-hearted, if we're not truly following him, is it because we don't really know him the way that we should? We haven't really seen him in his awesome power and holiness and might. And we have a, a small Jesus who kind of fits into a corner of our lives and is maybe tameable, right? That's not the Jesus who is the master who we need to follow. And so Jesus shows Simon and his brother Andrew and James and John, these four men, he shows them his power by sending them out at a time that doesn't make any sense in the middle of the day when there's not really good fishing to be had because during the day when the heat comes, the fish go as deep as they can into uh, Lake Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. It's the same body of water, Lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. It's the same body of water. And so they go down deep during the day to escape the warm water. And so you wouldn't normally net fish during the day. That's why they toiled all night, because that's when they come up near the surface, because the water's cooler, right? So he sends them out, and they obey. They know better than him. They're the fishermen. He's the son of a carpenter. They're the professionals. He's just a preacher man. They know better, but they're going to obey. And obeying, even though they think they know better, talk about that for a minute. How many times does God call us to do something very clearly in his word? And we can think of, oh, I don't know, half a dozen excuses off the top of our head of why that's just not going to work. It's not practical. It doesn't work in the real world. You know, the Bible's not uh, adapted to 21st century America. They don't know. God doesn't know the circumstances I live in. God doesn't know the people that I deal with. God doesn't know the challenges of living life in America in 2023. Excuses. Simon had good excuses, but he obeyed. He obeyed despite the excuses, and he enclosed a large number of fish, and his nets were breaking, and they had to get James and John from the other boat to come over. And so James and John and Simon and Andrew are all laboring together, four professional fishermen, to get these fish on board and get them on shore. And then Simon Peter does the right thing. He falls down before Jesus and he says, Depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He sees this man is a true man of God. He's not just a smooth talker. He's not just a fly-by-night miracle worker. He is a true, holy man. He is the Lord. Now, he doesn't quite have full insight yet that he'll make his profession later at Caesarea Philippi, if you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But he's certainly taking a huge step in that direction. And he sees his own sin. And all of them become disciples of Jesus. And Jesus tells Simon, don't be afraid from now on. You will cleanse. You will catch men. Sorry, I said cleanse because I'm looking down at the next section already. So they have a new vocation. A new purpose for their life. No longer just about making money and catching fish, but now about bringing people into the kingdom. Jesus uh, then encounters a leper in this next story recorded here. And he says, again, the right thing. If you will, you can make me clean. This is very wise. Right? He doesn't say, Lord, make me clean. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Healing always comes by the will of God and not by the will of man. We cannot manipulate, control, extort, 
or connive our way into healing. We just have to submit to the Lord's will. And he does. And he's cleaned. Jesus says, I will be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. Leprosy is a long time chronic condition. It gets worse over years. And yet, like that, he's cleansed. And so immediately he can go and show himself to the priest and make an offering for cleansing. Normally there'd be a long, drawn-out process of watching the wound and seeing if it's gotten any bigger, but it's all gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. And so he is stunned and he's going around and telling people about what he's done, even though Jesus told him not to tell anyone. He's going around. The report spreads, but Jesus goes to desolate places and pray. Jesus never lose sight, lose sight of the highest priority, which is prayer. He's the most perfect man who ever lived, who was the son of God in human flesh. He had all power and authority given to him over demons, over diseases, over blindness, over paralysis, over the forces of nature, over the powers of hell. And yet he knew that his most important thing was to depend upon God in prayer. And so he would look for desolate places to go and get away from the people and pray. How much more do we need to pray? How much more do we need to make it a priority to go and pray? We must be a praying people if we are to be the people of God and the followers of Jesus. Here we see this wonderful picture of these men who tear a hole in the roof, starting in verse 17, to get their friend, a paralytic, a paralyzed man, down to Jesus to be healed. But Jesus sees the paralyzed man and knows what his greater need is. The greater need that this man has is the easier one to speak about, but actually the harder one to accomplish. So Jesus says, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees are saying, oh, he's speaking blasphemy. Nobody can forgive sins but God alone. There was this understanding that God may empower certain people to do miracles. You can have miracle workers. You can have prophets and men of God who did miracles. But only God has the right and the power and the authority to forgive sins. And so Jesus then challenges them and says, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or rise and walk. Now, easier to say is not the same thing as easier to do. In fact, they're the opposite here. Your sins are forgiven is easier to say, but actually harder to do because only God has the authority to forgive sins. The scribes and Pharisees were right about that. Get up and walk to a paralyzed man is much harder to say because the proof is going to be right there in front of everybody. But it's actually easier to do because it's a lesser miracle. It's a less powerful miracle and a less needed miracle than the miracle of forgiveness. Do we believe that? Those of us who have had our sins forgiven by Jesus, who've had our sins separated from us as far as the East is from the West, that God does not treat us as our sins deserve, but sees us as holy and complete in his son, Jesus Christ. We have received the greatest miracle. Do we believe that? Or do we sometimes think, oh, well, God hasn't done enough of these lesser things for me. He's done the greatest thing of all. When that man walked away, his ability to take up his mat and walk away was not as important as the fact that he was going home a forgiven man. A forgiven man. That's something only God can do. So Jesus then goes and calls Levi, or Matthew, the tax collector. And Levi is so excited 
and he wants to throw a feast for Jesus in his house. And if you're a tax collector in ancient Israel, who are your friends? Your friends are other tax collectors, and tax collectors are outcasts from society. Polite society has nothing to do with them because they're an instrument of Roman oppression. And so only sinners and scumbags and lowlifes and ne'er-do-wells, that's who hangs out with tax collectors, people who are not welcome in polite company. So when Matthew has a feast in his home, that's who he invites. And Jesus goes and eats and drinks with them. And this gets the religious people really offended. They get their you know, hide up and they just can't stand this idea. And Jesus tells them something stunning. Those who are well have no need of a physician. Jesus comes to be the great physician, the great healer, and the great forgiver of sins. He had forgiven the paralytic his sins. When those scribes and Pharisees saw that Jesus had the power to forgive the sins of the paralytic, they should have fallen on their face before him and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinful man, just like Peter had done. But they didn't do it. Why didn't they do it? I mean, here was a man who, who obviously had the authority to forgive sins because he had the power to tell the paralyzed man, take up your mat and walk. He had proven it. Why didn't they fall down on their faces and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinful man? And the only answer is that they didn't see themselves as sinful men. They didn't think they were sick. They didn't think they needed the doctor. There are many people who will not come to Jesus for salvation because they think they're basically good people and they're doing very fine on their own. Thank you very much. And they're wrong. They're wrong. Jesus comes not to call people who think they are righteous, but people who know they are sinners. And he calls us to repentance and forgiveness. Just very quickly, this last section of Luke 5 deals with fasting and the new kingdom. And here's the idea. Jesus is there in the midst of his people. They're not going to fast. It's a time of joy. It's also a time of the new wine of the new breaking forth kingdom of God. But those who are too used to and too accompany, uh, accustomed to and too fond of the old ways, the old covenant patterns, their position as scribes and Pharisees, they're not going to be interested in the new wine because it won't fit in their old wineskins. It won't fit into their social structures, into their religious hierarchy, into their traditions of men. It won't fit. It'll burst it wide open. Jesus will not fit into your life if you're trying to cram him in a corner where he will sit down and behave himself. Not the Jesus of the Bible, not the real Jesus. He comes to give us a whole new life and to be the Lord of that life, to give us a whole new wineskin and then pour new wine into it. A new heart, new life, new creation. That's what we need. So many of us have a small vision of a safe and tame Jesus, which takes us back to the very beginning of the chapter. We're like Peter, acquainted with Jesus, know a lot about him. He's a preacher. He's a miracle worker. He's a good guy. But Jesus comes to shatter those expectations by, first of all, calling us what we are, sinners, calling us to what we need, forgiveness, and offering himself to us as the one who was greater than all, and the only one who can forgive, the one who is in fact God in the flesh. 
I pray that we would have a greater vision of Jesus that would make us deeper men and women of prayer, more profoundly thankful for the forgiveness we've received, and more eager to be fishers of men to tell the good news of the kingdom to all who need to hear it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Oh, help us to follow him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's Luke chapter 5. Tomorrow we'll be back in the book of Nehemiah. Hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.